Hello and welcome to Kaleidoscope Teen Radio, which is the podcast for Kaleidoscope Teen Magazine. Kaleidoscope Teen Magazine is an online magazine and digital platform made for and by girls of color. I'm your host, Gabriella Aline, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Kaleidoscope Teen Magazine. This podcast is in our eighth issue, and the theme is Colorism and Black History Month. In this issue, we are featuring accomplished Black women through our podcast interviews that I believe we can all learn from and look up to. The guest for this episode is Daphne Lee. I'm so excited to have her here to talk about her career journey in life as a professional dancer, an advocate, an ambassador, and so much more. Hi, Daphne. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting to know that you're pushing this and it's incredible to be a part of this. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to talk with you today. Um, My first question is, can you take me through your dance journey as a student and a professional dancer? Yeah, of course. So my dance journey is quite unique because my mother was a former dancer and so she was also my teacher. Um, I got introduced to dance very young, probably like three years old, watching my mother teach. And um, throughout many of the years, it was just mostly recreational. I did ballet, tap jazz, modern hip hop, lyrical, you name it, acro, competition, etc. But it was only for fun. And in addition to that, I also did, uh, I played the violin and I was also a cheerleader, things like that, just kind of getting exposed Mm -hmm. to everything. It wasn't until I turned 18 that I auditioned at Juilliard to see just where I was in the dance world and if this was really a profession I wanted to take up. I knew how difficult it was. I knew the challenges um, going ahead. So I just wasn't sure. I also was very much into medicine. So I thought about, oh, maybe I could be a cardiologist. I love the medical world, helping people, et cetera. But I just didn't understand the way medicine could help people the same way the arts could. So long story short, at 18, I auditioned for Juilliard made it to the last six and that's when the light bulb went off and then I got into Ailey Fordham. Um, From Ailey Fordham I apprenticed with Ailey 2, got a job with Ailey 2 and um, completed my degree and then the world was like my limit after that. I was able to guest with Collage Dance Collective in the beginning. Mm Um, I also worked a little bit with Oakland Ballet, did a lot of freelancing, um, and then now I'm with Dance Theater of Harlem. So that's kind of been my journey just of going through different companies and just having it unfold itself over time. That's amazing. Um, As a young Black dancer, was your mom your inspiration to um, start dancing or who was your inspiration through that process? I don't think you could call it an inspiration only because I was with her 24 seven. So instead of going to the babysitter, I would see my mom teaching. So I guess that influence came upon me, yes. And then also my mom was big into musical theater. Um, Every Sunday, we always watch black and white movies. And of course, many of the vaudeville musical programs from either the 1960s or the 1930s and 40s. Um, But also I knew about Dance Theater of Harlem from a very, very young age. I knew that black dancers existed. um, So that was the norm for me. I didn't see pink tights growing up. I always saw tan tights. Um, It wasn't until I had to audition that I was like, oh, wait, the world really does, you know, (laughs) not like what I'm used to. So I guess the inspiration was, yeah, the dancers from Dance Theater of Harlem, my mother, and just the influence of dance overall. I definitely relate to that dance theater of Harlem, like the dancers in the Mm -hmm. company were my inspiration growing up because at first I was at Alvin Ailey and I think you were actually 
my tap teacher when I was younger. Yes, with um, Mr. Demanda? Yes. Wow, okay, wow, yes, way back. I was one of the assistants, yes. Mm -hmm. Wow, so. yeah, that was my college days. <laughs> yeah, crazy, small world. Yes, really small world. And so I was at Awanele, and then when I was 10, I went to the Dance Theater of Harlem. And Got so seeing those dancers and also like growing up seeing the early dancers, like they were definitely my inspiration throughout my whole like journey as like you're just a dancer. Used to it. You're absorbed with it and that's what you know and that's what you see and you know it's possible. So for me, like mm -hmm. you, it was never like not a question. It was like, oh yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> these, this is the privilege I have of being around these awesome artists and having to yes. like not be the first all the time. So that was really cool to have that mm -hmm. same experience. What keeps you motivated as a professional dancer? What keeps me motivated? I don't know. I think, you know, every day is a new day and I kind of just like, all right, what am I going to work on today? Uh, what's my goal for this week or what's my task for this month? And I think it's the idea of ambition. It's the idea of just taking little things piece by piece. And I think that's the biggest motivator. I'm not one of those people that's very good at like setting a big giant goal and just attaining it. For me, I have to break it up into pieces and kind of just work my way through. Um, I think another thing that motivates me is just being, you know, a regular human being, just noticing that, you know, some days are going to be better than others. One day I may not feel like going to work and dancing. That's part of the motivation because I'm experiencing what that feels like to push through. Other days I'm dying to get into the studio and work on turns and work on whatever it is. So I think the biggest motivation is just simply living. I love that. Um, how do you feel that your journey affects who you are today as a dancer? Oh, that's a big one because I feel like my journey was low key handed to me, not in the terms of that I didn't work hard or anything like that because I did I didn't have any handouts, uh, so to speak, but the way my path was set up. I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and that your purpose is already laid out for you um, so. You know, I wanted to go to NYU so badly uh, I got rejected so I was forced, you know, to go to Ailey Fordham. Uh, in that way. And then same thing. I didn't think Ailey 2 was going to happen. The opportunity came and I took it. So when it's for you, it's for you. And I think that has been the nature of my career path. Things just kind of fall into place. Um, as a professional dancer, I've never, I've never been unemployed, knock on wood, and I've never not had an opportunity to do something. So I think just knowing that, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life and it just kind of falls into your lap. Um, when you're walking in your purpose, when you're not, you can find yourself feeling, okay, you're, you're being guided to where you actually should be heading. Mm -hmm. Sorry, <clears throat> something's in my throat, <laughs> uh, where you're actually heading. So I think that's, that's been the biggest thing for me is how it's influenced me just by seeing how much my life has just come into it. No, I didn't get you know, top magazine covers or top 25 to watch. I never got those accolades, but um, I've also had a lot of other small joys that, you know, I can look back and be like, no, I'm really proud of my little career. You know, I'm really happy with how it turned out. And yes, I could be doing more, which I will attain to, but also this is the beauty of where I am now. And I have my little people that support me and, and culture me and I'm satisfied with that. I am also a very firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Um, I've definitely seen that in my life. 
like similarly to you um I was very set on USC Kaufman and going there I was like that's going to be my dream that's the school I'm going to and I ended up not um getting into USC Kaufman which actually turned me to Loyola Marymount University and now I'm seeing like this is the place that I'm meant to be right and I knew that if I did get into USC Kaufman like I'd be going there like hands down and so (laughs) (laughs) I needed that door to close for me to see the other options that I had which actually turned out being better for me and like a better fit for me so I'm a very firm believer in (laughs) that's it's so true because you apply that to everything like even relationships like okay there's a reason why this breakup happened so I could be with you know like it's just interesting to see why things happen you know there's a reason why the train is delayed oh you know that there's everything is like that I think if we were a nation uh, of people that went with that process a little bit more often, certain things wouldn't affect us as much and um, Mm -hmm. would be better better off um, for our mental health and our wellness in general if we just know like, hey, yes, we can design our own paths to a certain extent, but there are other things that are out of our control. And I think, again, that's the beauty of it. And then that's where we really see, ah, you know, an experience is only half of it if you don't reflect upon it. So when you reflect on an experience, you're like, okay, now you realize why everything was worth the weight or whatever it was. So super, super important stuff to know. Yes, definitely. Um, Throughout your journey, um, like through life and as a dancer, what challenges have you faced that you've overcome? Um, I guess just one of the challenges was being that my traditional ballet career wasn't traditional. Um, You know, I started off as a modern dancer and then switching back Mm -hmm. into was an extremely hard thing. Um, Just constantly having this debate with myself on whether I should go into the modern contemporary world or stay in the ballet world. How can I bring them both together? And I found that at Collage. Collage, you're able to have that structure of doing everything at once. Um, I think that was the challenge. Um, I guess just self-doubt in general, just wondering, am I really doing enough? what am I really doing? You know, you have all these questions in your head, especially with uh, technology and social media. It's a lot of bombardment of seeing various things. Um, and I think that's just been the biggest challenge and it doesn't go away. It just, the voice kind of quiets down, but every once in a while you have those moments where you're like, okay, this is a challenge. How do I get my arabesque up? How do I, you know, turn better? You know, do I need different shoes? What am I, am I doing? How do I adjust my diet? All of those kind of things are challenges, but they're ways of working on your craft. So to me, it's just like, okay, it's part of what I'm doing. It's part of, you know, fine tuning my instrument and mastering it even more. What successes have you had over like your dance career? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest success is being a dancer. Um, And I say that as a first generation American, because I know so many people that are so concerned about paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I know so many people whose parents, you know, tell them, you know, you gotta go into medicine or you gotta go into finance or business. And that's all fine. I think parents have that responsibility of wanting to make sure their students, excuse me, their kids are, you know, well off, you know, in the future. But there's something to be said about having two parents that allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do. And as long as I enjoyed it, they were happy with that. And I think that's the success for me, um, the success that I wasn't forced to become, 
or go into something else because I've heard so many stories about people that are like oh like I really wanted to do this but like my parents wouldn't let me and it's just constantly being that example of no I'm a product of someone that was allowed to live their dream and it turned out well because I was allowed to live my dream it's like you gotta mm -hmm. let it happen um, so just understanding that in itself as a dancer is successful to me. Yes, there's other accolades. Yes, you know, performing with Beyonce was a success. Yes, um, having my own point shoe color with Gainer Minion was a success. Like there's things that are successful, but they're a little bit more materialized. But I think the biggest thing is knowing that I am a dancer and I could make a living off of something that I love to do and letting audiences know that you know, this isn't some hobby that I just decided that I love to do. Like this takes a lot of work. This is important. You know, we're game changers and change makers and we're nonverbal communicationists. That's a big deal. Um, so to be able to step into that role is pretty exciting. I love that. Um, definitely, I knew that like in the future, I wanted to do something that I love. Like I knew I wasn't going like the type of person to be in like a nine to five job, like sitting at a desk like that personally wouldn't make me happy. And yeah. I feel like in a career, you want to be doing something that you love to do that you're excited to wake up every day right. and right. do. And so I've been um, lucky enough also to have parents that support my dreams yeah. of wanting to be an artist. That's such a that. big thing and being a creative and then you end up successful because you you're doing what you love. And it's like, yes. My mother always told me, she was like, if the birds can wake up and they always have the worms to eat and they have their little shelter, then what makes you think God can't take care of us? You know? Mm -hmm. So my mom was always like, you do what you love. The money will fall into place. Let's say dance wasn't my forte. And I realized eh, this is not for me. Something else would pop up to guide you into something new, but it has to be something where you can wake up every day and not worried about getting paid and know that you can still do that same job every day. Like, it really doesn't feel like work. It really just feels mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. I've been doing Demi Demi Grand since three years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's quite normal for me now. But, you know, I understand that, you know, let me rec say this out loud, that it's not everybody's privilege to have access to dance, mm -hmm. uh, to have access to point shoes, to learn how to dance on point, to have access to big schools that they're not on scholarship. Like, I do understand the challenges of learning one of the finer classical arts. Um, but it is important. There's a will, there's a way it will happen um, if absolutely necessary. But I think it's important just for that exposure in general. Yes, definitely. Um, what do the next five years, maybe 10 years look for you as an artist? I don't know. Um, married with kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, ever since my mom passed away last year, that those questions are a little bit more harder to grasp on just because, you know, life is so precious. And I'm not dismissing your question at all um, because it's a serious question, but, you know, I realized, I don't know. I really don't know what the next five or 10 years look like, but my projected five or 10 year uh, stint could be something like, I've always wanted to do Broadway. So, you know, I'd love to do Broadway, just something temporarily, just to say I did it and to conclude like my dancing career. Um, of course, I have my master's and I, li I like the academia world, at least I think so. Um, so I don't mind teaching, um, doing master classes, lectures, things like that. 
Um, but I also want to choreograph. I also want to be like a creative director. There's there's so many things I want to dibble and dabble into, and I hope that the opportunities kind of come in as time continues. Um, I love directing. I love um, doing creative shoots, and you know, mm -hmm. just being on that side of the team. Um, there's a whole world out there still for me as an artist. I don't think a dance career ends physically. I think there's more to it. If I need to be an executive director, then sure. Um, I think the possibilities are endless. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's 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 so much because I'll be five years from now. I'll be like 35, 10 years. I'll be 40. I have no <laughs> idea. There's just, there's just a lot. Um, but yeah, that's what my projected timeline looks like. But who knows? Something cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so I know that you completed your bachelor's and your master's. Um, what motivated you to go all the way through graduate school? Oh, um, I've always wanted to get a master's. That was just something mm -hmm. I've always wanted to get. Also, the timing of my master's degree, I was at a place artistically where I just felt stumped. I just felt like there's got to be more. I want to dive deeper into this art form. This art form for me is not get into a company and that's it. Like, there's more to it than learning rep. Um, mm -hmm. So getting a master's specifically with the Hollins program who had so many DTH and ALE alumni um, go through that program, it was really about understanding who I am as an artist and what power there is in that. Um, mm -hmm. Learning about um, decolonizing how we think about dance and how we move in the space. Um, decolonizing what ballet really is. Um, giving an opportunity to create a voice based on topics that we don't discuss. My research paper was about black hair politics in ballet. Um, mm -hmm. My thesis was about black royalty. When you talk about, okay, why should black people learn ballet? It's a white man's art form. Yes, but there's an aspect of lineage and royalty that is embedded in there that we all possess. So yes, embarking on my master's journey gave me a way to expand my artistry and to understand what am I really doing with my body, with my instrument, with the dance world? How am I going to teach the next generation about what this power really is? Um, it's not just about getting a job and that's it. It's so much deeper than that. There's so much embedded within our history, within our culture that could come through the forefront um, by dancing as well as our rights. Um, so I think the master's degree gave me a chance to explore my own topics, uh, to create, and to network with all these different people who have various careers, whether they were in companies, whether they were uh, dance protesters and activists, uh, dance filmmakers, etc. The masters just gave me a whole different perspective to the point where now doing my nine to five seems silly. <laughs> it almost seems like so superficial because we're just made to like learn steps and go on stage. But my masters really opened the opened the doors for me. Um, just more artistically and that's why I really mm -hmm. want to pursue it and plus getting a degree in art again that's a that's a um artistic activist move it's it's just like you know I'm not going to get a degree in business my mother had a studio for 30 years like I know how mm -hmm. to run a business I'm not going to go back and get a degree in something else I want it to specifically be in dance and I wanted it to showcase that no I'm not just moving in a classroom all day it's literally about I can do uh, dance education. I can do dance and activism. I can do um, 
dance and arts admin. Like there's so mm-hmm. much that, that comes with a master's degree that dance is just the word they use, but incredible, incredible opportunity. And I got to go to Berlin and Frankfurt, Germany as part of my mm-hmm. study. So amazing program. And that's mm-hmm. why I got it. And I'm, I will be graduating in person this year, which is really exciting. Um, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to another cap and gown in May. So, yeah. That's so interesting. I didn't know like the master's was like the master's for dance was that like robust and you go like that deeply. That's what I'm trying to change about what people think a master's degree in dance would entail. Same thing what they Mm -hmm. think about what a a bachelor's in dance would entail. A bachelor's is really more about honing in on your technique, figuring out who you are as an artist and what genre you're trying to go into. Yes, you Mm -hmm. learn a little bit of that information, but it's not as in depth where your your grad school in dance is a whole different thing. It's no longer about you getting a job in dance. It's it's literally about who you are as an artist, what you're trying to say, what you have discovered, and it's deep and it's heavy and I've cried, I've laughed, I've been bewildered, I've argued. The dance program for a master's degree anywhere are, is quite robust, really really heavy. It's so interesting. I I tell my my coworkers, (laughs) I'm like, everybody should get a master's in dance. Like Mm -hmm. everybody, because it literally makes you do this. Everything you knew about dance, going to grad school, get rid of it. It's that different. It's that eye-opening. Certain things we know just because we talk about it, but it gives you a space to really hone in on some of the issues that we do talk about. Colorism, sexism, Mm -hmm. body shaming, but in a deeper way. We uh, did a topic about um, dance and death, like dance, death as a performance, about Mm -hmm. people who have done suicide acts and how that's a performance. Um, Really deep, heavy stuff. So I think, again, I was so happy I got it. I I couldn't imagine myself not getting it, to be honest. I'm definitely going to look into the dance master's programs now. Yeah, and then you can get a PhD if you want. Temple University has one of the strongest mm-hmm. um, performance studies programs, but a master's a doctorate is not needed, but it is something if people are really into their research, you know, you can go all the way. And again, it's an art. And I think that's super important to showcase to the world. I think it's amazing that you can like now get your master's and like your doctorate in the arts because- In the arts, yeah. yeah. It's everything is always about science and technology, you know, STEM. Mm-hmm. And again, that's powerful stuff, but we need to turn STEM into STEAM by adding the arts and just showing that, wait, all of these things are vital. You can't have, you can't be sitting in a space without an artist's vision of the architecture, of the buildings we have, the way the Brooklyn Bridge was designed, that's art. Like you need art in order to have all these things. Otherwise everything would just be boxes and beige. Like (laughs) you have to have it. So I think you need science, technology, arts, um, medicine, and I forgot the, the other word, but yes, uh, definitely, you know, education, um, you mm-hmm. need all of that in there to make the world go around and to make everybody a little bit more aware of how arts integrates with medicine, which integrates into science, which integrates into agriculture, etc. Yes, I definitely agree. Um, what advice can you give young dancers who, um, who are wanting like to pursue a college degree and also be a professional dancer? 
Advice, definitely looking to the school um, of that you're hoping to attend. What do you want to get out of the program? You may not know that by freshman year, but for me, what was important to me was just seeing the job placement of dancers. What I liked about the school that I went to was just seeing how dancers came through the program and got into many different programs or none at all. Um, you know, there's dancers that ended up working for Google. There were dancers that ended up working for Chelsea Clinton. Um, that was a big thing was to see and hear some of the stories of where dancers have gone. Um, so that was important to me. And then being able to learn various styles. I wasn't really so focused on the concentration. I know some schools do have concentrations, which is perfect mm -hmm. too. You wanna, you know, be fully dedicated to whatever program. Um, so that was number one. And I think too, really suss it out freshman year. I tell people, if you're not happy with where you are, go somewhere else. That's the cool thing about there's so many schools and universities out there. Um, if you're looking to become a professional, uh, find locally in your area what companies are there. Um, start looking at apprenticeships, start looking at um, as many performances as you can or performance art. Don't limit yourself to performances that are held on a proscenium. Uh, limit your, uh, expand your knowledge of seeing what dance could be. Don't let it just be, oh, I got to get into a company. Sometimes that's not always it. Sometimes you need to freelance and get yourself um, wet and dirty into all these other aspects of dance. Um, I think that's my one of my biggest advices at the moment that I can think of off the top of my mm -hmm. head. Really just about you have to be a sponge. You have to be open. Um, you have to be a sponge open, but you also have to be laser focused on what you want to go for. Long are the days where many dancers now are staying in a company for 30 years and moving on. Dancers are doing so much with social media, with podcasts, with broadcasting, with communications, with um, physical therapy, with mental health and dance. Like there's so many avenues of what dance is now. It's no longer um, this tiny thing in a box. So I think dancers yes. need to make sure they have that. Um, entrepreneurship, business, etc. I definitely agree. The the way that I'm seeing like a lot of professional dancers like brand themselves and like have their own social media presence and end up yeah. like having sponsorships and brand deals and working yeah. with different companies and really like honing in on their personal brand and really like making that a part of their like art form yeah. and the way that they present themselves is like really cool to watch and watching yeah. like the social media world really evolve it's for artists. Really, yeah, social media, it's like, it sucks, but it's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. one of those things where it's like, okay, this is where you have to kind of juggle um, mm -hmm. social media, the arts, yourself as a brand, uh, creating content, but also, you know, being able to hone in and fully take advantage of and full agency of you making those decisions to integrate um, an online presence or not, you yes. know, that's it's totally mm -hmm. what is comfortable for the artist. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And knowing that it's not to appease a mass audience. I tell people that like the people who enjoy seeing my content, enjoy seeing my content. Those who mm -hmm. do not don't follow or whatever it may be like, it's, it's strictly for that. And it's like, I didn't know that coming up. I was in the very beginning of social media. So, you know, the first picture I posted on Instagram, I think was my toenails after I got them done, <laughs> I didn't know it Instagram, like it was just not a thing until I learned, mm -hmm. ah, okay, like how can I gain traction in a way that creates a presence, but also activate um, what I, what this really means to me. It's not just photos, it's really showcasing, okay, who I am as an artist, who I am as a woman, who am I uplifting? What am I sharing? What positivity can I bring out there and, and let it grow from there? Yes. 
Um, what challenges um, did you face while balancing your career and your academic pursuits? Um, are we talking our master's or undergraduate school? Um, master's. With my master's, I got really lucky because at Dance Theater of Harlem, I told my director that, you know, I've already been enrolled at this program. And Dance Theater of Harlem has an incredible long list of alumni who went to Hans University. So Keith Saunders, Endelin Taylor, uh, Christina Johnson, just to name a few, Naima. Um, so she was very understanding of it. As long as I still showed up to my performances and I was good to go, they didn't mind. The beauty about working at Hollands was that I went to Hollands for the summer and then for the fall and spring slash winter, you're pretty much doing your courses on, you're doing your research as you work. Um, so you don't okay. have to stay at campus all year round. Mm -hmm. That being said, I was able to tour. I was able to do everything normally. So when dancers had their day off, that was a day I went to a coffee shop or a library and I would work on my papers. Um, when it was a performance day, I'd wake up early, sometimes do a little bit of writing and then focus my attention to class and performing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was like the biggest challenge of just, you know, being in school on tour, but I did it. You know, I didn't think twice about how that was going to work. I just made sure I had my books with me. Um, and that was the only thing And my suitcase got a little bit heavier, <laughs> um, but I had my suitcase with me. I had my Kindle, which had all my research in there. I would take, you know, four hours of the day to go to a coffee shop and literally do my research and buckle down and interview people and call. Um, and it was great. It was, I really loved that experience. It was something that I enjoyed and it, it I felt like it enhanced how I saw dance and how I saw me moving. So that was like one of the biggest things. Um, did you have anyone that you leaned on when things got challenging? Um, I don't think so. I think, you know, for my friends that know me, you know, I just reach out to them if I do chat. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really have a person. However, within the Hollands program, you get a thesis mentor. And my mentor was Eva Santue. Um, she was my thesis mentor. So I was able to talk to her about all of that. And I think what was interesting was I started my master's with my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was alive and then I, and midway through the program, she passed away and I still was on tour. I still was getting, so I think mm -hmm. it wasn't a challenge. It was more motivation. It was just like, okay, you know, mom said to finish this degree, you know, regardless. So that's something I'm going to do, but it's, I don't know. It's just kind of like, when things get tough for me, I delve more into the project to kind of give more energy to that and then balance mm -hmm. it out with mourning, balancing it out with dancing. I think, I don't know, I was able to manage it in such a way and be a caregiver for my father. Yeah, it could, it definitely was crazy, but it, it definitely worked out somehow. So I think the challenge was just accepting. It was just, this is my situation and mm -hmm. I can't do nothing about it. So let me just take it one day at a time. Um, is there anything you wish you knew now? Well, wish you knew before you went on your journey that you know now? Um, that everything was going to be fine, that everything was going to mm -hmm. fall into place. I think in college, I was so uh, frightened about not getting a job and like I was pushing myself and like, you know, if I would have just relaxed a little bit more and know that, wait, everything's going to happen when it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm putting in the work. It's not like I'm sitting there hoping for the universe. Like I'm doing it. And just to relax a little bit more. If that, if I knew that a little bit, that would have been great. 
Um, but other than that, that's it. I think the journey is meant for you to be to be experienced and to be lived in my body specifically. And that's how you have to see it. I mean, there's so many things I want to do and want to accomplish. And again, I just don't know what that looks like. So it's out of my control. Um, so I also know that you have the Daphne Lee Artistic Legacy Award. Yes. Um, yes. yes. And you applied. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. um, why did you create um, this award? So funny enough, this award came out of like the sheer universe. Like I remember saying one day, like, oh, I wish I had a scholarship in my name, but I don't have money. So like, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I, in the middle of my master's program, I wanted to get extra scholarship money. So I joined a pageant to try and get some money. I ended up winning the pageant and the lady at the time um, was like, why don't you create a scholarship? You know, I'd love to have one because I don't have anyone um, doing a scholarship for performing artists. So that's where it kind of came about. And I did the whole thing by myself. Uh, a year later, we parted ways from the pageant system, but I still decided to keep it going. And there's a lady, um, a dear friend of mine who followed my career. She decided to uh, back me up on the scholarship because she already had a scholarship for law students, Black law students. Mm -hmm. So she was like, oh, coincidentally, I want to do a scholarship for performing artists. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's literally how it came about. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm really specific on, you know, performing artists who are getting degrees in dance. And that's important to me. Um, so when that actually happened, it just kind of became overwhelming. And now people apply every year. And I think what's cool about mine is that it starts Black History Month in February. And then the winner is announced by Juneteenth. So those are the two Black moments. Mm -hmm. um, the only sad thing is that I never have enough funds. So like, I want to be able to give more than one or I want to be able to give 10 dancers. And it's like, I can only give one and that makes it so hard. I bring in, I only do the last rounds of checking the artists, but prior to that, there's different people, different dancers and different artists in the industry that check out um, the applicants. And it's just like, oh, I wish I had more funds. So like, physically do so so yeah um how would you like to see um this award grow in the future um definitely i want to be able to give it to 10 artists every year two for musical theater two for vocal performance two for dance etc um and i want to be able to have a gala i want to be able to have a, a gala fundraiser which i was supposed to do in 2020 until things got shut mm -hmm. down but i was actually going to do a fundraiser and have different people perform to help gain access and awareness for that so that's what i want in the future i actually want an event a nice dinner mm -hmm. i wanted you know to, to bring back the people who did win the award i also want to have special guests and i want to be able to give away you know 10 10 5 to 10 awards um, because I know one person is is not going to, I mean, it helps them, but it's like, there's so many great applicants that I have to wheel it down to the very nitty gritty and it gets really difficult mm -hmm. on my end. So one of the things I want to do is to make sure that I have enough <laughs> for those top 10, you know, so mm -hmm. that's my goal. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, I also know that you're also involved with Brown Girls Do Ballet. Um, yeah. How did you start getting involved with Brown Girls Do Ballet? Uh, I think Takia reached out like definitely mm -hmm. years ago and we kind of she told me about this idea and um, it was through another friend of mine named Sydney. Um, Sydney had reached out because she was working with her and just kind of got on the bandwagon about it and then eventually I was one of the board members just being one of those live inactive dance artists that were 
on the team thinking about what to do next, how we're going to do this roll call, how we're going to get young dancers engaged. Um, so that's literally how it started. And then it just bloomed. Of course, my mm -hmm. life got a little busy with, act, uh, with dancing. Um, so I kind of pulled apart a little bit, but I'm still connected with Takia whenever she needs me. And that's been an ongoing practice. So that's how I got involved, which was really, really cool. Yes, I love Brown Girls Do Ballet. Yeah, I know. I have, the same sweater. I have the same one. It's somewhere in my closet, but no, I have it. And I think what they're doing is awesome. And just, again, bringing that awareness and attention. Look yes. how many brown people are in the dance world and are coming yeah. up through arts. Um, definitely different than once was. But again, just my biggest thing is allowing young people um, to, to understand, like, yes, you can go into ballet, but understand, don't lose your identity for ballet. Like you're still a brown girl, you're, you, yes. you know what I mean? Like you're still a brown girl in ballet and to use your ancestry and culture in order to influence how you do it, not just stepping in to be overshadowed by this art form. I think that's the biggest thing I want young people to know. That's definitely very important. And Brown Girls Do Ballet is such a valuable community. Yeah. Like I think, was I 16? I'm going to... 13 maybe I was young when I first became an ambassador and yeah, I've been a yeah. part of it ever since and it's such it's a strong, strong and valuable community um for me and especially like some of my friends who are ambassadors or who follow Brown Goods Do Ballet who are not in communities like Dance yeah. Theater Parlem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that representation yeah because they have a community you. now so you're absolutely right. It, it definitely helps for those who are not in those spaces. And so they can feel more connected so they can have, you know, other friends and artists. So kudos to the parents too, that make sure it's a priority for young boys and young girls to connect um, with other young boys and young girls who are in that same art form. Otherwise you can feel pretty lonely. So I'm yes. so glad it's there and I hope it continues to rise. Me too. Um, okay, so the last set of questions are about colorism because that's mm -hmm. this issue's theme. So is colorism something you're aware of in your everyday life? Um, yeah, I think not not so much in my everyday life, but definitely in the dance world, I notice it mm -hmm. a lot more. Um, colorism, of course, is embedded into this American history. So yes. it is something I'm aware of. I don't just ignore it. I just don't, you know, um, brush it off the table, but definitely it's it's in there. Have you had any experiences with colorism growing up or as an adult in the dance world or outside of the dance world? Um, not necessarily so, um, only because I've always been in institutions of color. Um, I do remember auditioning for other um, organizations that didn't have as many Black people and mm -hmm. I do remember hearing little things here and there, but it's more prejudice. And if there was, it was probably behind my back, which I didn't, I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, do I do notice that, you know, we as black people and there's 106 shades of us, we do know the levels of which we pass. Um, we do know the levels of which we don't pass, whether that's our hair texture, whether that's our skin color, there is colorism. And yeah, some people use it to their advantage without them knowing not to say like, okay, if you're light skin, I'm going to pass, like I'm going to blend in. I'm not necessarily saying that, but there are those parallels that, you know, some people have to come to terms with, with knowing that, hey, that's sometimes part of it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's something, it's weird because it's something that we don't, we can't really control. We can't control our skin color. We can't control how people want to put us in spaces, et cetera, to complete a quota or whatever it is. I think it's something that should be discussed. And I think it's something, again, we should all recognize our own various forms of privilege 
uh, within colorism and then also be aware of the cons of that like the the um the dissection it has within black communities because that can be a whole another issue we have it in social media we have it in movies like um uh good and bad hair from that musical what is that musical by spike lee um uh, school days school days is a whole topic about you know the jigaboos and the wannabes the light-skinned girls versus dark-skinned girls mm -hmm. um and the jokes are funny but it's actually like true stuff um, so again, just seeing how that creeps into our everyday lives and also how that looks like in the ballet world. Um, why are some of the dark dance, the dark ballerinas that I know are international? They're not here in the US, you know, where you, see, you start to see all those different things. Like there's black girls in ballet companies, but what do they look like? And how does that affect the little chocolate brown girl that's looking like, okay, there's one in there, but it doesn't really look like me. It doesn't have the same effect. And again, not, um, not downplaying those dancers in those companies, not saying that it's your fault because it's nothing to do with you, but just how society does that in terms of colorism. And I think we in the black community know that, but other areas tend to forget what that is for us. That's a whole nother topic. Last question. Mm -hmm. What is um, some advice that you would give your younger self today? One advice that I would give my younger self, again, I think I said it a little bit earlier, would just be to just relax and just know that everything happens for a reason. Um, to trust your instinct, um, continue to stay on the path you were chosen to do. Um, I think I would have liked to, you know, I got into all these institutions as a young person and I wish I kind of went. That's my only regret, like going to Boston Ballet, School of American Ballet, Miami City Ballet. Like I got in and just never went because I had no interest in dance like that. Um, but I think that would be it just to know that like you have been given this talent and you cultivate it and you nurture it and know that it will, your hard work will pay off. Like that was my biggest thing was like, is my hard work going to pay off? Like, will it ever? Um, and just now it's starting to do so. So putting in the work is absolutely fine and it's necessary. And now you got to sow the seeds and then watch the fruits of your labor, literally. Yay, that was all the questions. So I want to thank you so, so much for coming on this podcast with me and talking with me today. This was such a great discussion. I feel like I learned so much um, yeah. from you. And so I just want to thank you so much. No, thank you. This is great. And just let me know if you need anything else. And I'm here. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. I'd love to share and highlight and do whatever is necessary. But this was really fun stuff. So thank you for allowing me to share my story. Um, you can also use this time to shout out your social media and let people know where to find you as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So if anyone is interested in coming along with my journey, you can find me at www.daphnemlee.com. On Instagram and Twitter, I am Daphne732. And on Facebook, Daphne M. Lee. And of course, you can go to dancetheaterofharlem.org to check out all the things that I'm doing performance-wise, whether it's virtual or in person. So I want to thank you all for listening. You might be watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to us on our podcast. You can listen to more podcast episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you search Kaleidoscope Teen Radio or on our YouTube channel, Kaleidoscope Teen Magazine. Please make sure you subscribe to our online magazine, podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Kaleidoscope Teen. 
All of our social media links and Daphne's social media links will be in the description box. Bye.